Life is one big head game. And once you learn to play the head game, it's no longer a game anymore at all. You start living your life. Welcome to another episode of the One Big Head Game podcast with me, Bo Killingsworth. It's just me today. Garrett's not here today. He's uh, he's holidaying up with his uh, with his family. Um, but we got a pretty special guest today. Um, it's a guy that I was referred to by another friend, uh, and he introduced this guy to me as uh, the most inspirational person he's met. Which you know, I know this guy very well, and. Uh, and that was a big statement. You know what I'm saying? It was a big statement to me. I was like, well, who is this guy, you know? Um, so he he told me who it was, and I uh, looked him up on social media, and I was like, oh, I've seen this guy. And he does seem very inspirational, you know? Um, but uh, I'll let him get into it in a little while. But this individual has gone through a, a, a big uh, uh, life experience that most people don't. Um, and he has firsthand information, firsthand knowledge of how to deal with an obstacle in your life and how you go from there, a low point to uh, succeeding or uh, 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 achieving something despite something happening to you. You know, that's that's my view of what's going on here. But, you know, I don't want to define him based upon just that. I don't know this individual very well. Uh, but he seems very cool. We uh, we had a good time before. He's really into these microphones and cameras, just like me. I've kind of had to get into it uh, doing this podcast. But but he seems really cool, man. And I'm I'm really excited to hear his story firsthand and uh, and really get into the details of it and where you were and where you've came from and where you're going. So so without further ado, this is Sam Primo. From Lafayette, Louisiana, um, he's kind of famous over here. It seems like he's got a little bit of a following. People are very interested in what he's doing for 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 some of the reasons that I said already. So I want to uh, thank you for being here today and being here with me, sharing your story with me. And uh, I'll just start it off, man. You know, why don't you tell the people at home uh, just kind of give a background of who you are, you know, where you grew up, stuff like that, and then I'll I'll kind of guide you into some other topics, man. Just uh, introduce yourself. Cool, man. Well, once again, I want to just thank you, and I really appreciate just being able to come on the pod and and be able to learn from someone else in the trenches, you know. And uh, it's it's always inspiring to me to see others in you know similar categories. We're all grinding, and you know we could all learn from each other. And man, that's been one of my biggest biggest uh, hacks I've learned along the way. It's like instead of being envious uh, um, on the next person, it's like, why don't you take notes? Why don't you ask them? How'd you get so successful? And I bet you, your uh, success journey will be a lot smoother than uh, just being there, being envious. But uh, anyway, so I'm Sam Primo. Uh, at 17 years old, I was riding my motorcycle home one evening, uh, caught a patch of rain and got cut off by an, another driver. So I ended up sliding into the truck and I woke up to a new reality. So I woke up with the doctors predicting I'd be paralyzed forever about the chest level down. And man, as a 17 year old, you can only imagine what that's like to wake up to a new reality. 
Yeah, man, let's slow down. Let's slow down because this is this is a lie. We we talked on the phone before the podcast, and uh, and he kind of gave me this same story, but it it wasn't enough, man. I, I want to know. So where were you in life before this happened? So obviously he just described a pretty tragic accident that he was in, but where were you before? How old were you again? Seventeen. I was seventeen. Seventeen. So and how old are you now? I'm twenty-four. Twenty-four. Okay. So that was a little um, over six years, like six and a half. So. Six, seven years ago. Okay. So you've had a, a while since that accident. Where were you? I mean, I would imagine you know, like most kids uh, or seventeen-year-old men, you know, we were uh, wild now, doing a lot of stuff. You know, what what were you like then? You know, were, were you in high school, I guess? Right? Well, I, I just graduated. So, man, I, I was 17 and stubborn, bro. I thought the world owed me one. I was a really arrogant, cocky, um, know-it-all type of person. And honestly, I I just I was just starting to get out of my parents' house. Like, I just moved out. I was working full time. I thought I was killing it, man. I'd come home with a pocket full of cash every week. You know, I was landscaping, working 80-hour weeks, you know, uh, and I thought that was the way to live. And because in South Louisiana, that's how it is. You go bust your butt all day, you make a little money, and you come home to the kids or whatever. So my envision, uh, you know, back then I was uh, just going to try to run up as much money as I could. I was actually planning to go out, move out to Florida and, and go partying and, and go, go to MIT, learn how to become a motorcycle mechanic. Because at the time, I was, well, I was always into mechanics and motors. Um, I'm an adrenaline junkie by nature, so just learning how to work on them always helped because I love breaking stuff, so I had to learn how to fix it. So for me, at that time, I was like, man, that's my calling. You know, I'm going to be a mechanic, and that's that. And I thank God every day that I, that's not what happened because, man, I was going to go out, go out to Florida, partying, and show them how Louisiana does, but that was probably not the not the way that, that uh, was, was best saw fit. So, um, man, this, the, I'm so appreciative of being paralyzed because of what it's taught me and changed in my perspectives, man. And, and by the end of this story, I think what my value to the world will be is perspective, um, is, is to show you like sometimes in, unless you're able to just look at someone's story and see it through their angle, then that's great. But sometimes we just have to get knocked off for a pedestal to really understand how great things are and, and that to have that reminder, you know, um, of what what it could be and then the more you chase that what it could be and the more I've, I've met individuals like yourself or like jp or like all these other people from the gyms and just locally i've met some super awesome people and it's like whoa you know like i want to learn life from your angle what does it look like from the mountaintops and to them they're like freaking they're amped up by me by you know seeing me well, on yeah. the climb you know it's, yeah. it's so cool yeah that's that's outstanding man yeah and, and and you're so right man when you when you said perspective uh it kind of hit me, man. I almost even got choked up because it's such a big deal, you know, like to me personally, that's always what I'm looking for. And I always get trapped in my own, you know, selfish desires and my pride, you know, it's something that I battle all the time. But I try to give myself perspective all the time, you know, uh, because it just keeps you grounded and it keeps you real with yourself. And uh, obviously being real with yourself is the first step to really doing anything with your life. Right. Right. Um, but but that's what I've seen. I don't, I don't know your whole story. I'm I'm uh, I'm looking forward to more of it here. But uh, but that's what I was hoping to get from you. So uh, so I, I don't doubt that I will. So. So you uh, were basically just kind of getting out on your own um, at 17. You, you kind of had some plans. You maybe, maybe were going to go to Florida. Uh, let's talk about the day of that accident. 
You know what I'm saying? You were on your motorcycle. What kind of motorcycle was it? So I was riding a, a 636, which is just, you know, a, a crotch rocket. It's a, a, a fast bike. Yeah, oh, very fast okay. bike. I don't know um, anything. I don't know anything about bikes. I'm not I'm not a, a mechanic guy, you know? Oh, man. It, it's a very fast bike, and it's a very powerful bike for a beginner's bike. You know, this is like my first, quote, unquote, my street bike. I'd, rid, I'd ridden friends and stuff like that. And uh, and honestly, I, the buddy I was living with at the time, because I'd gotten a big fallout with my parents, ended up leaving the house moved in with the buddy and they were in the street bikes and everything. So I'm like, Hey, you know, let me, let me, he let me ride it to work and ride it here and there. And then I just fell in love. But after my first motorcycle, um, after my first cop chase, I fell in love. I was hooked. Um, so cop chase. What yeah. Do you mean? Like running from the cops. Oh, you did that a few times. Oh, okay. I, I didn't have a license. I didn't have a license and it wasn't my bike. So I knew I just had to get out of Dodge okay. for sure. And you uh, got away a few times. Well, I never got caught. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is news to me. All right. This is getting really interesting. Uh, dang, I didn't know that. So at that time, you were <laughs> you. If the cops rolled up on you, you just bust out. We're out. Yeah. I'm, okay. You're I was seventeen. Reckless. Just yeah. for everybody listening, he was seventeen years old. You know, he's only twenty four now. But uh, from the cops, it's not a smart thing. <laughs> no, man. <laughs> but uh, but that just kind of shows what state of mind you were in. You know, oh, at yeah, that time was, in your life. I'm glad you said that. I was with such. And I, I hate to call them, they're not bad people, but it, we were doing bad things. We were, I was with the wrong crowd, you know, and, and, yeah, yeah, and birds yeah, of a yeah. feather flock together, dude. And so it's like, I never understood that statement until now looking back. It's like, wow, you're really doing stupid things just because of who you're surrounding yourself with. And now that I'm surrounding myself with people doing really awesome stuff, it's like, wow, no wonder life's getting so much more awesome. Uh, and, but yeah, man, so I was super reckless. Um, I'm kind of a, a bipolar creature by nature. Like my highs are high, my lows are low. So like whenever I'm in the heat of the moment, cutting up, having fun, that's my high. Like I'm cool with it. I don't mind running from the cops because that, that adrenaline kept me fueled. And now I find my fuel and, and passion and like uh, an inspiration, honestly, because now that I'm understanding kind of what it's done to my life and having that perspective of being able to look back at three years ago and be like, wow, that that little light of inspiration truly saved my life. So being able to see, well, being able to, to do that for others and then seeing it, it, it's like, whoa, okay, this is, this is maybe what my calling is. My calling isn't to just go see how much I can test the limits. I found my limits and that asphalt reminded me quick, I have limits. And as a man, like you said earlier, like we all have, we're really prideful. And sometimes it just takes a lot of pain to knock that pride out. And for me, unfortunately, that's what happened. But I'm blessed it wasn't, you know, 10 times worse. And it wasn't death. Right. You know, that's I'm sure you take that perspective a lot. You know, I'm sure that's what what got you through. And I want to get into that. But OK, so you have that uh, sport bike. Um, you're reckless. You're kind of in a reckless state of mind, you know, generally speaking, kind of hanging out, out with uh, uh, not so good guys or guys that just aren't a good influence on you, you know, kind of influencing your decisions. And you get in the accident. Do you remember what happened like uh, uh while it was happening do you remember any of that or do you just remember riding your bike and then you woke up i was about to say so it thank god i did not recall so i was awake after the accident like i was able to give the ambulance my information my parents numbers and stuff and you remember that no okay, okay. so this is all off the police report because me yeah i woke up confused but whenever they give me the you know you, you see your police statement or report or whatever and it's like, whoa, how, how was I able to still walk around and talk? And But I guess with the adrenaline and the way the doctors uh, described this, like our body goes into a fight or flight once with that type of um, yeah. of incident or trauma. Yeah. So my body was just, you know, able to keep Amped me keep up. me going until I got into the CAT scan table is whenever I lost feeling. 
um, and that's whenever I started freaking out. So I guess they, you know, drugged me up and, and got to doing the scans, the surgeries, all that good stuff. Wow, that's that's incredible. You just know from reading the police report, you don't know. Yeah, it, it doesn't surprise me. I'm I'm no doctor, but it doesn't surprise me that uh, when you're so amped up with all that adrenaline, like you don't even have any energy to remember. Like your brain is just you know kind of on autopilot. Oh yeah, and I mean, dude, with. Like I, I vividly remember the the leaving my friends. So, um, you know, we were hanging out with my buddy, my buddy Brand's house, right up the road. Man, not even five miles away from home, right? So, I get a call. My mom's like, "Hey, look, the weather's getting real bad. Can you come home before it starts raining?" You know, because I was gonna go talk and hang out with them. So I said, "All right, cool." So I'm riding home, and we live the backside of Milton, which is a small town, Louisiana. And so I'm coming down this old country road, and I didn't. The roads by my house, I didn't act ass because I knew for a fact my mom was at home and could hear me. And it, she hated the bike from the get go. So I was like, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to add insult to injury. Like, I'm, I'm going to go chill. And it was raining. So those two factors on the road I was on, I know for a fact I wasn't going crazy, which I'm very thankful for because, man, I was the type of person to hit zero to 100, just see how fast I go, just because I'm like, whoa, you know, I get that adrenaline rush. But um, I'm thankful whenever I wrecked, dude, I was doing like sub 30 miles an hour. Oh, wow. So it was really the, the landing, which is what, you know, got me such a bad uh, injury. But the way I rode that thing on just on a day-to-day basis, like I would be dead if it would have been any other conditions, you know. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Okay. So, um, God, that's that's so crazy, man. Oh, yeah. And the more you're going to pick into the story, you're going to be like, well, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. And I'm, I'm going to. Trust me. Uh uh, so you woke up, um, obviously things are happening at the hospital. You get an ambulance, um, you go to the hospital, you don't remember any of this, but you know what happened, you know? Right. Um, so you wake up in the hospital. What does that look like? You know, what does the room look like? Let's, let's get into so, the details. Of so it. the first times I could really rec- like recall vivid yep. memories of me waking up, yep. I was in the IC- ICU room. Okay. I had all kind of friends around me, you okay. know, a couple of family members. Was it, you, was it a communal room or a, a, a private room? I think they're private for the ICU. You didn't I, see any I, other injured people in there? Oh, for no, instance, no. Or sick I people? mean, but then again, I also didn't, I didn't really get up and, yeah, yeah. and look around. Yeah, all, right. Uh, all right. So and you see some people uh, that are your friends and family around you. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, like I remember I even had friends calling from offshore that are, you know, out there doing oil field work. And they're calling like, dude, are you still alive? Like, what's going on? Okay. Um, so anyway. It was, you had your it was, phone on you? Well, uh, I guess it was like somebody a had it. Phone. Yeah. Got it, uh, got it. Oh, yeah. Somebody had. Yeah, they had. They like so and so was on the yeah. phone. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. I mean, man, it was uh, it was it was chaos. Yeah. So um, whenever I woke up, yeah, I woke up to chaos, and I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" But I mean, man, you were on so much Dilaudid and, and the morphine or whatever all the drugs they gave me were. I was so doped up. It's like I didn't even notice what was going on. I just knew I was in a hospital bed, and everything kind of felt numb. But I didn't put two and two together. So until like roughly you know two two or three days after the incidents whenever i'm i guess stable enough and and off you know all the the crazy drugs to where it's not uh the what's the word i don't know my mind was actually you know back to normal in a sense a few days after and then i vividly remember I'm, so when you're on so many drugs your mind is getting affected too oh, i mean obviously you're, you're, you're happy everywhere you're like, like what? what is going on yeah you know? i'm like man i feel kind of good but like what are we doing in the hospital you know um so, so at, at that point, 
no one's told you what has happened to your body or maybe they didn't even have the di- the true diagnosis yet where are we at with that so i guess it was i wasn't even questioning it because i'm still you know so messed up on everything but they I, didn't like jam you into the conversation and say hey you know this is what no, by, the, by the time i was able to actually understand what was going on yeah that was the first conversation so i had a uh, that's I, when that's a couple days later yeah yeah okay, so okay, i had yeah. a doctor and my mom their mom's you know standing to the right side of me the doctor's on the left he's got his notepad and he, they kind of broke it down what was going on like hey okay you were coming home the other night you you got into a motorcycle wreck blah blah um so you you're shattered i think it was my t4 and my t3 in my vertebrae which is about thoracic level it's a, it's a little over my nipple line okay so i shattered those two vertebrae together and what it did was puncture my spinal cord. So I think of our spinal cord, that's your nervous system. That's your wiring system for your body. So the way the doctor described it to me is whenever I impacted, the vertebrae shattered, it punctured the spinal cord, the fluid leaked out. So whenever it's leaking out, my body went in that fight or flight protect mode and all the muscles and everything around my uh, the injury just kind of you know squeezed up and basically like kinked up my wiring harness. And so... They said with these type of injuries, if you don't see any type of recovery within the first six months to a year, you're typically going to live out the rest of your life in a wheelchair. And, dude, I'm still, like, kind of dazed. I'm like, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life in a wheelchair. I said, dude, I just walked for, like, what, 15 years? You can tell me I could never figure this out again? Like, no, I'm pretty damn sure I'm going to, like, I'm going to, I'm going to recover. And I didn't know what recovery meant. I didn't know what that looked like. All I knew was I was in pain. I was like, man, to my toes. I am in immense pain to this day. I still am. But I'm like, you can't tell me there's all this pain for nothing. And they said, oh, there's all these, you know, clinical diagnosis. And, well, your nerves are doing this and, and your muscles are jumping around. But, you know, they give you the medicine to, to calm your nerve pain or calm the spasms. But I was really reluctant because I'm like, no, I mean, if, if there's pain, there's feeling. If there's feeling, there's, there's something. You know, you can't tell me there's a complete disconnect if I could still feel something. So uh, that, that was me waking up to the doctor told you that. And your first instinct was uh, refusal, refusal, rejection, denial. Yeah, denial. Denial. More of it. Denial of the ultimate nature. The the ultimate nature of the diagnosis that he potentially laid down to you. One thousand percent. Okay, so so you started with that, and then started the emotional roller coaster. I'm assuming. Oh my God. Okay. Was it like, and like like I said, like I'm, I'm I'm bipolar, so. Once I finally it started clicking and I'm like, okay, look, I can look at my legs, but they ain't doing shit. There's nothing but pain and and dead weight, you know. So um, by the time I finally actually let it soak in what was going on around me, man, I it was it was my life shattered. I felt like in front of my face because I was um, 17. I was about to you know be a young bird or I was about to be a free bird and, and fly the coop, go move and start my life, start my journey is what I thought. You know, I just got on my feet and they swept me off my feet, clean off my feet. And there was not, and there was nothing I could do about it. That's what made me mad. And so, uh, at that time I was, I was a lot more of a short fuse man. And over time I've kind of have a, I have a better temperament, but yeah, whenever that first happened, dude, I was, uh, I was, a short fuse to some dynamite oh, dog. So oh, I, I, I was bet, I was pissed, but I couldn't do anything. You know, like I was. Whenever they were telling me that, actually, uh, my mom and the doctor, I was like, "Man, y'all are stressing me the fuck out." Like, I need to go smoke a cigarette. And they were like, "Okay, well, we'll try to smoke a cigarette." And dog, when I couldn't pick my shoulder up off the bed, panic. I was. I, that's whenever I started getting loud. They probably come put some more Dilaudid in my little thing. Uh, but the it at first it was it was pain and anger. 
but denial then. You know, oh, yeah, then, the denial for sure. Then the anger. And then it's like the anger is what really, I think, pushed me to the to the really dark thoughts because it's like, why is it, you know, if there's a God so great, why would he do this to me? And if, it, if the world's, you know, it's, um, I don't know. I, I think I found, I tried to look for outside variables to blame. But at the end of the day, I knew what I was signed up for when I bought that bike. I knew what I was signed up for whenever I rode like I rode. I knew what I was getting into. I knew the game I was playing, so I couldn't complain about the card I got dealt. I bet you did, though. Oh, bad yeah. for years. For years, okay. For years. When do you think you changed from the blaming the outside circumstances to saying, you know what, um, I'm responsible here? So I'm that, assuming you've gotten to that point because oh, I can sure. already tell 1, because of your temperament and who you are, it seems like. So, so when do you think you changed? There's probably a moment or a time period where you kind of just broke down or something. I guess the the breakdown was definitely in the hospital, and and it, so in the hospital I was at, I went to Lafayette General. You know, they did the surgery, had everything stable. I think I was there for three weeks, maybe more, somewhere in that neighborhood. But then they shipped me off to Houston, Texas. So there's a place called Tier. It's a super advanced place for like spinal cord injuries and stuff like this. Um, and basically what they did was it's advanced therapy, teaching you how to live your life in a wheelchair, using the restroom, using the day-to-day living, just the normal Training, stuff. Training, yeah. Yeah, basically. And it, my outball was mad because <laughs> yeah. I thought I thought I went to this advanced spinal cord uh, facility for me to learn how to, to walk. get fixed. And they were trying to, to get you to settle in. Exactly. Yeah, they were trying to. They were just warming me up for the new life I was about to live. Yeah, I could only. I could all. I could see you being in there, being like, "Yeah, you can teach me all this stuff, but I ain't gonna need it." Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I don't need to learn how to use what. Teach me how to walk. They're like, "Dude, your legs are not doing anything. Like, what do you mean?" And and matter of fact, at the time, I still had a broken arm. And uh, Lafayette General had missed it because I had so much pain. I'm like, dude, something's not right with my arm. They x-rayed it, wow. didn't see anything. I'm in Texas, and they're making me do, like, all these little workouts and stuff with the bands. And you're just, like, ow, you know? I'm all intense pain, and I, I have a very high t- pain tolerance. So being my mom my mom and dad, you know, they're in Louisiana, so whenever they come visit, and I would tell mom about all this pain I'm in, and she's like, look, bro, y'all need to do something about this because this kid does not just complain about anything. So they did. They're like, oh, okay, you have a hairline fracture. And I'm like, oh, smooth. So I've been working out three weeks with a, with a broken arm. That's cool. But um, so I, my whole thing, I'm like, you, you nailed it on the head. Like, I'm not going to need these these. That's how I, I, only th- I only know that because that's the exact same way I see myself. I'd be like, I don't even want to know this. Why are we wasting time yeah, messing yeah. with this wheelchair? Why don't you pull up some data and I can at least research what's going on so I can get better? Oh, the research like, made me way do? more sad, way worse. <laughs> oh, um, my getting gosh. Getting those loopholes. Oh, the rabbit holes of it, that. Yeah. It was bad, man. Wow. But, yeah, that's that's what I would be. I would be fighting it tooth and nail. Uh, I would be denying it. I would be... Um, I would be pissed. I would be so angry. You're at, at the world. God. At the, exactly. At God. And I'm, I'm a faithful guy, you know, but I, I, I and, and that's, that's why your story is interesting to me. And anybody who's been through a traumatic injury like that, that changes your life like that in such a big way, because, uh, because I, like most people, I would assume, like put myself in your situation, you know, and like, how would I uh, measure up? Right. You know what I mean? And how would I handle it? And, uh, and it would not be pretty, man. You know, and I try to be as uh, intrinsic as possible. Understand myself. Understand the the uh, the steps necessary to get better, to change my circumstances. All that. That's kind of what this podcast is about. But uh, it, you can't prepare yourself for it, right? There is no. Preparing. You've been through it. 
Oh, for sure. So there's no preparing for it, and it's literally a forced-upon-you journey that uh, you must take or you bail. And and for the first few years, that was my plan. So by the time I'm out of the hospital and everything, I had my my mindset on I'm going to become a recluse. I'm going to just no one's going to see me anymore. They're going to forget about me. Your mindset on that as in like that was a fear of yours. No, like that was my my plan. That was my plan. I can't. I was going Your plan home. Was just I'm going gonna be. I'm gonna sitting. hide away from the world because okay. I looked at that wheelchair. I'm like, this isn't me. I don't know who the fuck this Sam is that I'm looking at, but it's not. It's not me. So I was like, I don't want people to see me like this. I don't want to give them the opportunity. So my thought, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna shut out the world and just just rot away at home. Thank God I have a group of friends that did not let that happen. I came home to a party. Uh, I had you know 30 friends and they were acting like it's a birthday party and. And it's so it was funny. Uh, we had we were living in a trailer, so we got a big old long uh, ramp to get into the house. So we're we're chilling. The ramp on the porch. was there. Well, before. My, oh yeah, my dad and his friend had built it before I even got back from the hospital. And um, so I'd gotten back and figuring out the the ramp situation was crazy enough. And then me and my friends like it's funny before the accident we'd get in wheelchairs and mess around and do wheelies and stuff and joking and now we're still doing that but now I'm, i actually need a wheelchair so you know i'd get off I'd go sit on the couch and let one of my friends go ride around in or whatever uh the first day i came home actually i'd flip out the wheelchairs doing wheelies and whap uh everybody's freaking out because i'm gonna break your back i'm like ah, it's already broke if the asphalt <laughs> couldn't kill me i don't think this yeah. wheelchair is gonna do it <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But so I got home and thankfully, like my friends, they didn't they didn't let that happen. They're like, dude, you're still Sam. Like you're just you, you're going through a different thing. You're, you're going through a transition. And I'm like, dude, no, this I don't know who this guy is. This, this is not my body. This is just not me. And thankfully, um, over the, the following weeks, you know, um, it was pretty evident that I'm super weak. It's I'm, it's a struggle just to roll around the house and get in and out of the off the furniture and my bed. And so I had a friend, uh, my buddy Nick, he was just starting his fitness journey, you know, about that same time. He said, look, bro, I've been going to the gym, and I really think it would help you. Like, you need to come start coming to the gym with me. You're only working with 25% of your body. Like, you need to at least get strong enough to do your normal task. And I was like, I mean, that's common sense. So I, I reluctantly, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll hear it out, and I'll go try it. So he brings me to Planet Fitness, and, dude, I hated it at first. I, one, I wasn't a big fan person in the gym like I was very athletic and did sports but that was just kind of genetically I didn't give two shits about the weight room so going into Planet Fitness first I'm like this is a new world I don't like it and I stuck out like a, yeah. a sore thumb because you're the only guy in a wheelchair so yeah I'm like so you feel around. like people are looking at you and oh, stuff. I felt I felt the judgment I was like this yeah. is no judgment zone yeah, bullshit. bullshit they're yeah. judging me right Bull now crap. yeah but um Bull junk yeah but honestly they uh they they Accepted me with open arms, really. Like, whenever they started to figure me, like, like to get to know me, I guess, because people would start coming asking questions. And, and at the beginning, dude, I was so weak. I, I would, you know, fall trying to get in and out of machines. And, yeah, I can't tell you how many friends I've made. And I'm still friends with to this day that have just picked me up off the ground. Like, hey, man, you look like you're struggling. I'm like, yeah, thanks, Captain Obvious. <laughs> and uh, and at first, it, would, it was kind of You ever of get offensive. mad at them? Oh, for sure. Okay. I would blow up on people okay. a lot. Okay. Uh, like, leave me alone? Oh yeah, I'm like I got it. And like they're like, well, I don't know. It doesn't look like you got it. I'm like, yeah, stop yeah. looking then. Uh, yeah, forget you. Yeah, uh, your own business, right? So, but thankfully, my buddy that would bring me to the gym, like, dude, he would drive 30 minutes out of his way just to come pick me up to bring me to the gym. And he was fairly new to That's it. A good so, friend, man. Oh, he's a great friend. But he, he knew he wasn't a trainer, but he was like, he would 
teach me the things he's learning and then we would you know try i'm like bro i can't get on a, a ma- machine i'm gonna do a chest press he's like look bro this is how it feels for me like we can get you set up and anyway yeah get me all strapped yeah, in yeah. and such and uh so one day i'm at planet fitness and i'm an older guy named will comes up to me and he starts he starts picking on me he's like man you're gonna keep clanking them weights around because i would get my little five pounds on my my cable machine and go crazy and so anyway he came bullying me and i was like man what do you want dude like leave me alone and uh when he just kept pestering you know and and he was like man i got a friend that's paralyzed he's a bodybuilder he trains here like i really want to introduce you to and we just kind of became friends from there and and he actually was in the gym a lot longer than nick and i so bro he taught me all kind of stuff about training and and then i meet this other guy nathan who's the paralyzed bodybuilder dog opened my freaking mind up like it was like a mind blow explosion really you're him. enlightened and because yeah. this dude is like six foot four 250 pounds jack but his legs are like toothpicks because he's paralyzed so he, he but he walks with crutches so i'm like oh this motherfucker can walk and he's paralyzed what's up like i'm like yeah. teach me and so but what he taught me was bodybuilding he taught me the the anatomy the our the way our body works and because bodybuilding and recovery are very similar the the way you're going to break down and recover and repair a muscle for aesthetics is the same concepts and principles you're going to use to repair something that's no longer Broken. working or yeah. for me that made en- that made enough sense for me to, to buy into it and man he taught me all kind of like tips tricks supplements nutrients vitamins diets um and so while all this is happening i'm still going to physical therapy um locally and i was also in slcc because i just started school i was like well look my way of making money i was landscaping cutting grass that just got shit out the window how do i make money well, I wanted to become an architect, so I, I followed that route and started doing AutoCAD, drawing the house plans and schematics and stuff online. So I'm doing that. I'm going to the gym relentlessly and therapy. Dude, my grandfather would drive an hour from his house, pick me up, bring me to therapy, to the school, to the gym, and then back home. And so uh, it was it was a, a weird pivot when this started to get noticed and people were like dude you're in here like every freaking day i'm like every day that i can yeah if my grandpa can come i'm here and they're like why i'm like well i want to get out of the switcher and they're like mm, well good luck with that and so i would i would follow my my schedule pretty diligently my buddies teach me about meal prepping and diets so i would come to the gym with five freaking lunch pails in my my lunch bag and have my meal preps and get the workers to go throw it in the microwave in the back and uh, so I made friends with some workers, and the manager was like, hey, man, look, we just had a spot open up. Would you want to come work here? And so I'm like, dude, that's the last place I want to work, but why not? I'm going to try it out. And honestly— Which place? It, it? And this is at the Planet Fitness. Oh, okay, at the yeah, gym. Okay. It, it, was, uh, it was like a front desk clerk or gotcha, whatever. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Started to show me what the gym culture was because in a nutshell, we're all in there doing one thing, trying to get better. Whatever perspective that is, doesn't matter where you start, where do you want to finish— so pe- being around these people for six hours a day with my shift, plus my hour or two of working out, it just became so like um, so eye opening because that perspective was like, oh, shit. OK, well, if I continuously aim at better, continuously put in work to do better, I might get better. And sure enough, it started to show and I started to kind of get out of that shell, that box I'd want. I built up for myself, you know, after the wreck, I'd built those walls. I didn't want anyone to see but being that I was working the front desk, I'm trying to sell people memberships, giving them tours, cleaning the gym. Like, I had no option but to talk. So, and I'm so grateful for that because, man, I would spend 
my hours, like everyone would complain and gripe and groan about the job. I loved it. Just because I can go talk, go talk my shit. I can go, I can go up to the most ripped up person and be like, dude, how'd you do this? Like what workouts, what, you know? And, uh, it, I like to learn. So being around people doing better than me, I was like, oh man, this is great. Someone's got to figure this out, you know? And so as the, as the time's progressing, I'm getting to, uh, halt in therapy and man it really broke me because I felt it coming like we had progressed through all the lifestyle stuff like I was pretty good in a, a wheelchair so there how long after the accident are we talking here probably six months to a year like still in that really fresh that that newer stage so I'm about that's 18. it you got into the gym within six months of a yeah yeah, yeah. wow that's a blessing man that's a blessing but a huge blessing if you don't if you don't take action quick that I'm sure you don't use it, you lose it. Very fast, you know, oh, mentally. Sure. You know? Mentally, exactly. And I think what it was, the, the best myself. thing about the gym was giving my mind something else to think about than the, yes. than the unknown. Because yeah. the unknown was terrifying me, and it was it was rotting my mental health away. Yeah. So, what? Um, you know, I, I, I continuously started, well, I continuously working out of the gym, and we're, I'm progressing in therapy, and man, I would go to the gym and do specific workouts to try to better my therapy. I'm like, okay, I'm getting to the point where I'm walking with braces and crutches that would go from my feet to my, by my chest level and lock everything out to just give me the opportunity to stand. So I would, uh, I'm like, man, I could only freaking stand for 20 seconds before my le- my arms give out because this is 120 pounds of dead weight. Yeah. So I was like, I would go talk to my, my paralyzed buddy, uh, I'm like, Nathan, how do I do this? How do I do that? And so he'd give me tr- training uh, routines and, and kind of help me and, and guide me whenever we'd be working out at the same time and whatnot. And um, so he, we would, uh, you know, progressively getting better. Like I'm getting stronger in the gym. I go to therapy. My legs output's not changing at all, but my upper body, I'm able to at least stand up longer and, and do the the assignments longer, you know, Um but it came to a point where I was like, man, there's no way I could live and use these crutches and braces every day. It's just not feasible. There's no way. And and that was really heartbreaking. But what made it even more heartbreaking was the phone call from the therapy center that said, hey, your insurance just sent us back that we're going to have to stop your treatments. You know, you've come to uh, you basically you met the requirements that, that were needed. So we're not going to be able to keep treating you and do talk about crush me and at this point I, I already had it set in my mind i said man if i'm not walking by 19 i'm gonna unalive myself I'm, I'm like that's why i call it quits give myself that little little chunk of time if if nothing's cracking i'm, I'm out of here and uh this was pretty close to probably the month with leading up to my 19th birthday all right so <clears throat> 17 when the accident happened maybe you're 17 and a half or something so you that 19 mark was like a year and a half or year year and a half roughly yeah Okay, so you kind of were you serious about that? Oh, I was one thousand percent, and it and and I didn't realize how serious I was until they got closer to that date and I got that phone call. That's when the weight of the world really dropped on my fucking shoulders, and it was like, all right, well, I already got the gun, you know, I'm ready to go. But uh, whenever I got the call, me and the my girlfriend at the time were at the supermarket right up the road from the gym where I was working and where my buddy Nathan lived. He lived in the neighborhood behind it. So I'm like, dude, I got that phone call. I'm crushed. I'm like being an a-hole to her, like going off on her for whatever, just because I didn't know how to interpret or handle my thoughts and emotions. So I was reflecting it on the one person next to me. And she was like, look, 
I'm gonna go in the store. You could sit in the car and collect yourself, and like I'm I'm good. So um, I I was like, you know, no, get get the chair out. I'm gonna I'm gonna get in the store, and then we got another fight. So I was like, you know what? You go shop. I'm gonna chill out here. And while I'm sitting outside, like trying to just catch my my head, that little old lady, she I don't think she made any harm by it. You know, she was going to the store. She said, "Hey, sweetie, can I help you with anything?" And dog, I blew up on this lady. I was like, "Get them." You know, because I'm in a fucking wheelchair. You think you think I need your help? And, like, I stormed off. And I'm like, ooh, I know Nathan lives not too far. So I rolled, like, maybe a half mile. Rolled to Nathan's house. And the whole time I'm, I'm rolling, man, I'm crying, bro. i am got tears dripping down my face. I'm like, God, if you're real, why the fuck did you put me through this? If you're all so mighty, why am I having to, to carry the weight of this load? Um, and it's like, I, I was like, God's not real. That's how I felt. At that moment in time, I was like, God's not real. Because if he were... And he was so awesome. Why would he make me feel like this? But now I'm learning years later as to why. Um, so I, I got to Nathan's and he's like, dude, what's, what's wrong? And so I was like, man, insurance has cut me. Like we're coming up close on that mark and I'm, I'm ready to just, I'm ready to pull a trigger. I'm tired of, tr I'm tired of, tired of fighting. I feel like I'm swimming upstream. Had you already told Nathan about your plans? Yeah. Oh yeah. I told him like he knew what, I was kind what was of. his response to that? Well, his response was save me, man. He, he said, the perspective he gave me he said think about your mom and your grandma and and everybody you love your grandpa that i see brings you to the gym you, did any did any of them want you to to get that bike i said no they wanted the opposite he said so okay so you you went and did something against the grain and you you disobeyed all these uh, the advice you were given and it backfired and now you're having to live with the consequences so you're you're wanting to go kill yourself which is just putting your pain and problems onto all those people around you that did not cause it, what would that make you? And I was like, well, it wouldn't matter because I wouldn't have to worry about it anymore. He said, but now they have to live with something that they didn't cause. And I was, and it really gave me that, that, that perspective because I think about my grandma and my grandpa, and I'm like, the last thing I could do is, is crush them with this kind of weight because, They've I mean, I've dealt with you they, going through yeah. it. Yeah, and I mean, dude, they were going through it right there with me, you know, because um, that's it's a big lifestyle change in your entire family when, when something like that happens. So, but with that perspective, he also hit me with, if someone says you can't, that shows their limits, not yours. How the fuck are you gonna let another therapist or so anybody tell you what you can or can't do? Yeah. And that stuck because, boy, I'm, I'm stubborn and I don't like being told what to do. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? <laughs> you can't walk after this, but I can. Yeah. You can't recover, but I will. And so that completely shifted. It, it took the pain and anger and, and fury I had towards myself. Mm -hmm. And it and it oddly, well, no, at the time it was reflected to the wheelchair. I turned it into myself. I said, okay, well, if I want to beat myself up, I got to beat myself up on the ways to, to on recovery process so like for training for instance people are like, man how do you how can you train so hard or how can you train so long it's like i love this shit yeah. i like i love i love that feeling you know it's kind of like a it's like i feel like i'm a fight i'm fighting with against my own body every day so it's like a little bit of the new pains yeah i like that at least i'm feeling something yeah the the uncontrollable movements at least they're moving yeah and uh so anyway fast forward maybe so, a so wait wait but let's uh let's slow down uh <clears throat> So you got in the fight with your girlfriend, and then you, uh, then you rolled over to Nathan's house, and Nathan is the other individual. Yeah, that's the paralyzed bodybuilder. Um, so you were crying the way there. Uh, you were essentially smiting God for having put you through this. When you arrived over there, you got in. You started going into it like you told Nathan what was going on, what was bothering you. You know, 
what was it like, you know, riding yourself over there um, and talking to Nathan that got you off of your plans? What changed? Um, you obviously didn't go through with it. It it was one thousand. It was one thousand percent what he said because of the feeling. Oh yeah, for sure. Like that instant. Okay, okay. okay. Because the ride there, like and that, my, that was basically what you were talking about, mm, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, literally within that, it was maybe a, a twenty or thirty minute push, you know, from the store to his house. And the whole time, by the time I got to his house, I thought that there was no God, and I was like, this is. If there is such a God and He's got me through this, like that's the worst God I could ever think of. Is was my thought process. And he didn't necessarily, he, he's not a very, like, uh, religious person, so he didn't, like, try to give me the, the gospel because I wouldn't have understood it or absorbed it. He gave me the perspective on what it's like on the other side of that, on that trigger, and I'm like, ooh, that's not cool. I can't do that to them. They, they didn't even want me on this bike. They didn't, they've done nothing but try to help me. I can't turn this around on them. And then with the, like, whenever he, he kind of, he tricked me into believing in myself. He, he said... If they said you can't, that shows their limits, not yours. Just because it hasn't been done doesn't mean it can't be done. Was this a heated conversation? Were you extremely emotional over there with him? Did y'all just sit down? Like, what was that like? Yeah, like on the the ride there, I was yelling to God. But uh, whenever me and him, we were just talking. And uh, I was kind of probably talking and sobbing, I'm sure. But, man, I was uh, I, I, I felt like all the fight I had left in me from all this was gone. And he completely like poured some gas and lit a fire under my ass. It was like, no, you got a lot more to go. And being that I seen his perspective from you know the 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 suicide thing, as well as he showed me the perspective of how much you can get done. And keep in mind, his goal he 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 accepted his fate. He was he was not planning to recover. He just wanted to become as physically able to do as much as he could throughout his life, you know, his, the most out life. Of his life. So, and, and that's where he found bodybuilding and he went from a, you know, almost 300 pound fat guy getting paralyzed to now he's super shredded and jacked up. But anyway, so he just showed me that he found something that he really loved and he loved to work for and look how far it's gotten him. And he showed me, look, man, I have a house, I cook, I clean, I do my stuff. I live, you know, he, he was living independent. He's, uh, he even, uh, I, that was the first person I drove with after my accident because he has the car with the handicap uh, controls. And I'll never forget that day. He's like, he picked me up from the gym and he freaking on his crutches, grabbed my wheelchair, disassembled it, put it in his car, gets in and teaches me how to drive. And I was like, oh, shit, dude, I could still drive. I could still do all these things. I could still have girlfriends and wives or, you know, whatever. I could still live. A and, life is possible. And, yeah, yeah, I could still have a life. And so the the trickiest part i think was learning to live and love the life i'm living while i'm working for the life i want so for that first you know we'll call it two years that was my my block i was like oh i hate life and this is not fair but whenever you realize well it could be worth i met people pushing their wheelchairs out of a straw so it's like i really can't bitch about that much i can't complain that much and being that i had a lot of pain he he kind of was like look pain is something right pain is feeling it's not a feeling you want but it's a feeling and i'm like well i did ask for feeling i never i guess i didn't specify in my prayer what feeling i wanted so uh but anywho so after he snapped me into it i called brie i'm like hey can you come pick me up in nathan's whatever um so we kind of boiled that down with me and her you know I, I apologize or whatnot and so we we go off and and now i'm in this new abyss of still i'm in the unknown i'm still scared but now I felt like my medical professionals around me just threw in the towel. They were just like, good luck. 
and they weren't even saying good luck. They were like, thumbs up, you know, or, or send you that K, that K text message. I'm like, uh, that's how I felt with my, my, my therapist. You not get much help for the medical professionals or you feel like that at that point, but you, you have a new lease on life and it's different now. You most importantly, uh, aborted your plans, your, uh, your mortality plans. And, uh, and you have a direction. You have somewhere where you want to go, right? right. Do, do you know exactly what it is? Or you just knew, hey, okay, this is worth living. I'm going to figure it out. And then you started there. I started there. And I like that shift, that conversation really made it go from the hopelessness to that's where I got my first taste of inspiration. I was like, oh, shit, this is what it means to really feel amped up about myself, my journey, my, my self-worth. So from there, man, uh, I was like, well, I don't have any outside resources, you know, with therapists giving me, giving up on me. I said, well, what do I do? So I just continued. Now I got in the gym a little bit more because I could spend a little bit more time now that I don't have therapy, you know, the two times a week or whatever it was, I'll go straight from school to, um, to come work out and hang out at the gym and then work. And dude, I would literally be at the gym from probably like 11, maybe 12 in, in the morning until, uh, at least 10 or 11 at night, whenever my girlfriend would come pick me up at the end of my shift. And so, at this time, I'm still trying to figure out, like, finances. How do I get a car? How do I still provide for myself? What do I do? So that's kind of where I put some of my focus on. I was like, okay, I'm in school. Oh, excuse me. I'm in school for this degree in order for me to be able to pay for whatever I need to recover, right? So I'm literally probably a couple months in to, or away from graduating my, to get my degree. And that's whenever I learned about stem cells. Like, I'd continuously been trying. Man, I'd go to the gym do my little workout. I'd get on the leg extension machine and dude, I would sit there and my legs would dangle little noodles and bro, talk about heartbreaking. Isn't even the word. It felt like Mike Tyson just ran up and snuck me. And it's like that kind of, you ever got hit so hard you want to cry, but all your friends are looking. So you kind of got to just grunt your teeth and get off the machine and go back home. It was like that every day. And it's like that psychotic, like bad feeling. It's like fired me up to be like, you know, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure this out. So I would uh, continuously doing that, and I didn't see really any, any type of movement much. And so I, as I, my upper body got stronger, I started to find things like uh, pull-ups, for instance. I was like, oh, okay, I learned about compound exercise, compound movements. I said, oh, well, this one can, can make my core fire, you know, for stability and balance or whatever with doing pull-ups. So I was like, well, let's try it. And I would I worked my way up from doing, you know, lat pulls to I would do pull ups and I'd have friends around me kind of helping guide and stuff. Um, and so what that started to do was get my back so strong that it helped like it correlated to my my core and my uh, oblique starting to strengthen up a little bit, making my quality of life a lot better. Interesting. So I was like, Ooh. Right. I was like, OK, now we're on to something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so at this point, is that before or after stem cell became a oh, thing? Oh, that was for you? that was a little bit before. So, okay. so whenever, you started to see those those changes, right? Um, while you were kind of getting introduced to that stem cell situation, right? So in the midst of um, yeah, the the back progression turning into my core stability, that was the first realization that oh shit, I can turn things back on. I can use, I can learn how to use this dead weight as something good. So, and then the same friend, Nathan, he's like, man, look, 
Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of stem cells. I've done a little bit of research. It seems like it might be something. Had he to, had to he gone it through it or no? He you had, just uh, kind of heard about it. Well, yeah, and and he'd done a lot of research because he's like one of those like super nerdy. They'll dive into all the rabbit holes sort of thing. Yeah. And so I'm not sure how he came across them, but I guess he knew how how like dead set I was on my recovery. So he was like, "Look, man, I've checked out these stem cells. Like, look into this." So I started googling like, "What are stem cells? What do they do?" Uh, do stem cells cure paralysis? This side and the next. Do they? Do they? Can they fix the spinal cord? Can they fix the nervous system? And it was a bunch of no's, a bunch of negative reviews, answers. Everybody was like, "This is junk. This is a waste of money." Blah blah. It was all the neg- most negative stuff I could find. But I, at that time, I was learning about credit finances, and I was like, "Well, I learned leverage. I learned well. I, I built my credit while I'm, you know, working and doing all this stuff." I said, "Well." I tried to uh, get, or I did get a care credit, a credit card approval, and I was like, okay, look, this stuff's ten grand. I got my care credit. Let me let me take the risk, but or actually let me let me backstep it a, a couple steps. So, whenever I'd found the um, found out about stem cells, nothing but bad reviews until I found this one guy on Instagram, and he was a quadriplegic. He had went to a Reju Medical in Minnesota. And he was seeing a little bit of progress, like his therapy seemed to get more intense than he was seeing return back. So I reached out to him and he's a real cool guy. And like he was he was really straight up with me. He's like, man, it's like not a miracle pill or anything, but it's definitely starting to help me a lot. And, you know, for him, he's he, he was in the mechanics, too. So he just wanted to be able to have the hand function to use his tools and stuff. And but seeing him going from absolutely nothing to even having some hand movements and now he can grab a wrench or his phone or i was like that's old me that that's enough so what do i do at this time i'm like the last few weeks of graduating i'm like bro all my classmates are like man yeah we're gonna go start working here making you know 60 grand a year whatever it is and i'm like 60 grand i'm doing the math i'm like so i gotta trade eight hours a day for this my stem cells are 10 grand off the rip so that's how am I going to work and do stem cells and put in the effort in my body as in working out therapy, you know, just the maintenance, taking care of yourself. I was like, there's not enough time in the day. And, but this is where inner animals started to come about. Like all in the meanwhile, while I'm so, I became so relentless and, and religious, honestly, about the gym and, and my structure that people would always come say, you're motivational or you're inspirational. And honestly, it was offensive at first. I'm like, I'm, I'm motivational because I, I drove to the gym or because I came to the gym or I opened the door. Like, that really lit a fire under you. Like, what? But as I started to um, to to almost finish up with school, I'm like, at this time, I had been doing my little videos and stuff, uh, posting workouts that I would learned from Nathan and all my other gym friends. And I just put them on Instagram. I'm like, hey, hopefully if someone has, like, an injury or something they're wanting to get in shape, they can look at these videos and see how to work out. Bro, they get 40 freaking views and three likes, one of them being my grandpa. And, you know, like, no one gave a shit about the videos. But I was like, okay, well, what if what if I turn this inspiration into something? So I, I, it was like my little epiphany. It was, uh, I was like, man, I'm looking around at all these big brands like Nike and Under Armour. I'm like, man, I can make a gym brand. Why don't I just do that? And I'll make my content and I'll, you know, sell clothes because I didn't want to be a – I felt like a freeloader, and you know I don't like feeling like a bum with my hand out. I'd rather at least try to work or give them something in return. So it's like T-shirts. We all legally obligated to wear clothes. I could yeah. figure out clothes. It'd be easy enough. Yeah, yeah. Little did I know that yeah. was a big learning curve. But um, yeah, yeah. So I was like, you know what? Look, I graduated. I 
I haven't even opened that app on my computer since graduation. Yeah. Uh, got the diploma. I was like, all right, cool. But by this time, I'd already started Inner Animal. Um, and whenever we were in the gym thinking of, while I was talking about it, I telling my friends, like, man, I'm going to start this Instagram page. I'm going to make a brand. I'm going to call it Gorilla Genetics because I got a big gorilla tattoo on my, oh, on yeah. my arm because um, I've always been my mom's monkey. I'm the gorilla of the family, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was like, yeah, man. Like, that's that's my people would ask like what's your guiding light like well, how do you keep pulling through these these challenges like my inner animal my spirit animals just guided me through this really now i know that that's that's like the, the spiritual strength of god this is not from an animal but uh that was my best way to interpret it or understand it yeah it's kind of like and an so, alter ego basically yeah yeah and so i was like i find strength in, in knowing that i could become this big raging gorilla and, and overcome any of my obstacles so uh, I was like telling my friends, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna name it Gorilla Genetics, and they're like, no, that's lame, don't do that. So we're in the gym, literally, like in the in the middle of sets, we're like spitballing ideas back and forth, and I said inner animal, and they're like, hold up, that sounds pretty catchy. Like look it up. Yeah. I looked it up, couldn't find anything, and I had a friend that was in our little friend group. He was a lawyer, or he is a lawyer. He was like, man, go home, get you an LLC, this, that, and next. I didn't know nothing about any of that. I was just like, all right, cool. Had a, I knew I had a credit card. And I was like, all right, cool. We're going to get on Google, LLC. I you know, ended up on LegalZoom, did my filing. And I'm like, all right, I have a business. What do I do? Yeah. All right, shirts. So I had to found a friend that's selling, you know, wholesaling shirts. All right, cool. Logo. Hmm. Found this gorilla. I brought it to a logo person. I was like, hey, I want it like this, but can we change a couple of things? And we did it, and they slapped the inner animal around it. So I literally, the following you know, day or whatever, I went around the gym to random people. Some people I knew, some, some I didn't. I go up to a mid-set. Hey, man, excuse me. What would you do if I started selling T-shirts with this logo on it? And they were like, yeah, seems cool, I guess. That's, that's what's up. Yeah. And literally, I was like, all right, that's enough for me. So I bought a bunch of shirts and, yeah. and started my business journey. But I was like, man, you know, the thought of entrepreneurship, being able to earn my way to a uh, a different quality of life in a sense, like more freedom, more access to your time. That's what I was latched on. I said, like, Ooh, I can make my own money and my own schedule and, and hopefully be able to sell enough t-shirts to, to get these stem cells and these rehabilitation costs figured out. Yeah. So you, <clears throat> at that point, had you, uh, uh, pulled the trigger on the stem cell, like you said, it was 10 grand. Uh, yeah. you pulled the trigger on that before you started this business. Yes. So okay. yeah, whenever I so first did you started, do it? did you do the treatment? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, at this time, and this is probably like 20, 2020, maybe roughly. I was about twenty three years, years old. Ago, yeah. yeah. Three, four years ago. Yeah, I was about I was about twenty years old, roughly. Um, so I went out, got the stem cells, came Where back. Where did they do that? And that was in Minnesota, that Rejuve Medical Place okay, that I had like, seen the yeah. other guys seeing yeah, some yeah, progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, all right, cool. Just go to the same one. Yeah, I was like, that's enough for me. So yeah. I contacted them. You go through it. A, it's a long process of sending your uh, medical records, your reports, yeah. imaging, see all if that. you're like a candidate or whatever. Yeah, to, to see if the, the facility even thinks you, you could benefit from something and like this. they did? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they saw, so the surgeons overlooked everything. They said, look, man, you're still really young and really fresh out of your injury. Yeah. So if, if this is the route you want to try, I believe there could be some, uh, you know, there could be some potential upside to it. Like, try it. And and so, like I said, I got my That's all my little, you needed, right? Oh, that's all I needed. I was like, I was already sold. Once I got the approved for the credit card, I was cool. Yeah. And, uh, what was the limit on that credit card? Ten grand, and I <laughs> smacked it out as soon as I got out there. I was like, "Here's my card," and that, yes, for Primo. Let me that? get let me get a, a a cold water with that too. Who was the uh, 
who was the bank? Uh, that, that was the care credit. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, but That's but so, and we had. So you had did to, that. So now you're making minimum payments on that, probably. Right? Oh yeah, dude. That that was I was drowning paying that off. So, like right before I left, we did like a little fundraiser thing with some friends just to cover like the travel costs because i didn't realize that care credit was only for medical like they don't just swipe that at the gas station oh, so i'm nice. like okay oh, shit. so you but, actually used it for the right <laughs> oh yeah well, yeah That's but good. um so thankfully we had some people in the community that were willing to donate uh and we had enough money to drive out there like me and my dad drove oh, from wow. here to minnesota dude i, I want to say drive. it was like 28 hours or something wow, worth yeah, of driving yeah, yeah. so uh it was a lick but we went out there um saw the facility met the people talked to everybody I was like, all right, cool. We're already out here. So here's the card. Wap. Here you go. Um, so did the, the procedure. What yeah, was I, that? Like so they inject it in you. So what they do is uh, the particular treatment I went and did, they extract a lot of um, blood. I, I don't know how many pints it was, but they took a lot of blood. And then they also went in with like a really thick needle with a tiny drill bit inside of it. Yeah. They stuck me in my like pelvis. And the little drill thing drilled out my um, bone marrow, I guess, is to loosely explain okay. it. So what they do, and, and granted, I'm butchering the crap out of this. Like, I don't know how, <laughs> the terms for it, but yeah, yeah. what they do is they take the the stem cells out of the bone marrow. They put it and they fuse it in this big old machine. They fuse it with the white blood platelets, mm -hmm. like the white blood cells, I guess. And because what they describe or explain to me is like our body heals itself with inflammation. So... What they did, they sent a bunch of shots up and down my spinal cord, like around my back, in the center of my back, to cause inflammation. So my body's like, hey, something ain't right right here. We need to heal it. So then the following day or whatever, they sent this the the stem cell concoction into this area because in theory, your body's inflamed. It's healing itself. We're going to give it the best tools to try to go ahead and, and heal it if there's still any disconnect with the yeah, with so my use, wiring harness. So they use your own stem cells. Correct. So they basically yeah. take it out. They mix it with other bits of sam you know your bone marrow your white blood cells and then they inject it back into uh the near subject your injury, area yeah yeah near your injury site so for mine spinal cord spine, they, they inject it inside no, of your okay so, oh in the states they i don't know of any places that do they might be some but i know like you have to go out of country to get them actually injected into the spinal cord well i think uh, you definitely can inject things into It'd be the like spinal epidural system. yeah yeah epidural spine i'm an attorney i have clients yeah. that uh get a uh, uh, epidural spinal injections you know esis so they definitely do that, but uh, but I guess but I guess what in the stem cell, right, yeah, about yeah. the same. Yeah, interesting. Okay. So they they send it all around my up and down my back. Yeah. And uh, multiple injections around. And me, I'm I'm an idiot. I'm like, bro, I'm paralyzed. I'm not gonna feel it. Yeah. Oh, boy, I should have took the muscle relaxer they gave me because look, <laughs> from the top of my neck to the bottom of my back, bro, my whole body was locking up. And, oh yeah. Like especially whenever you got it got closer to my as it got close to my injury level, the more the pain was like oh, you're yeah. just getting shots like wow. thick shots up and down your back yeah. so i'm like you know wincing and but i'm like look this is the least of the pain i've had to deal with so far so whatever yeah. some shots ain't bad yeah. so i uh, come home and they don't really send you home with instructions they're kind of like this is pretty it's just kind of like it works or it doesn't kind of thing and see how you progress it's kind of experimental especially yeah, yeah. back then because like i said this was you know three or four years ago yeah so they, it was a lot of unknowns they weren't going to guarantee guarantee anything yeah they were like look we're hopeful but we really can't promise we've never seen many you know awesome uh, extravagant results from these so i went home and i didn't really know what to do because i'm not in therapy i'm literally just going to the gym 
So I'd go to the gym and try to kick keep, out my legs. Keep, just keep I'd get a, I'd get on that same little leg machine and try to kick them out, and they would go like from noodles to one day I I got I got them to spasm. Okay. So I, I turned on my spasm and I was like, oh. And what? you had never done that. So like I'd have plenty of spasms. Involuntary. Is, very involuntary. I guess it's it's uh, like if your muscle was cramping that feeling, how you're kind of uncontrollably it's yeah. contracting. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's basically what what was okay. happening. Is it in your hip or in your? Oh, it's from any like my nipple oh. level, nipple okay. line down. So like my abs, my it's mainly my hamstrings that'll do it. Hamstrings and calf nowadays. The muscle yeah. itself. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, but anyway, like previously, I don't have. I had really bad spasms. And so they put you on all kind of medicine to kind of, I guess, Alleviate numb it. Or, it or, yeah. yeah. But I was I was like, dude, this I'm still having these spasms. I'm still having this pain. Why am I taking the medicine? And they just kept upping the dose, upping the dose. So I just clean quit yeah. cold turkey. Nice. And I was like, look, if it's not going to do any, if it's not going to do the intended job, why am I even entertaining this? Yeah. So I cut it out. And, of course, the spasms got worse. I got the stem cells. The spasticity got a lot more... I guess intense, but it became more voluntary. So yeah. it would be like I said, I started out being able to signal, and I'd be like, okay, if I could think about it like this, and and you know, get in this position, I'll get them to kick out. And doing that enough, I would just literally get them to kick out. They touch the pad and stop. Yeah, they would touch the pad and stop. And eventually, I got enough to where I could start kicking out and fully lock my leg. And then now I could add weight and progressively overload. Because in my mind, if I do this a thousand times, I got to figure out how to do it on and off, right? Yeah. Sure enough, I did. So I started to figure out how to turn them on. Then I started to learn how to turn them off. Then I was like, all right, cool. That's literally all I could do. That and the hamstring curl machine, which was just, you know, the seated, uh, you know, leg yeah. curls. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's fast forward. Where Where are you? I'm sure that there was a lot of stages in, you know, your development from that exact point to where you are now. Where are you now? So now, uh, I mean, I just stood on stage alongside some bodybuilders. So I saw some half, photos of that. Half-ass stood, but yeah, um, yeah. so I'm I'm walking in a pretty decent upright. Uh, it's it's a gait trainer, is what it's called. It's like a big walker. Yeah, it's got um, like it wraps around your torso. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's one of them that I use. That's called the Grio. Uh, okay. I also use just a normal grandma walker whenever I need or parallel bars. Yeah. And you can move your legs step yeah. after step. Yes. Yeah, so my right leg, I'm learning how to progress the steps a lot more smooth than the left. The left leg is kind of like I can get my leg to, um, you know, get the thighs and everything to contract to hold me up. But I'm still learning that disconnect because once I figured out how to turn them both on, now I have to figure out how do I turn one on and turn one off. Yeah. Because, like, whenever yeah. we started that process, bro, Cause I Because you got to focus on that one, right? And then, oh, now you got to focus on the next. And that, that disconnect between your brain, like, uh, uh, it takes a lot of brain uh, power, I guess, uh, more than you know, before when you were just walking. For sure. Know? Like, think about it, dude. If you stood up right now, you'd, you'd be firing off about 25 different muscle, like, yeah. patterns. Automatically, but, yeah. But now that you have to break it down and relearn it, you're like, holy shit. Like, there's so much that goes into this just kicking out your leg. Uh, and it's something this we never think yeah. about. Because as a baby, you know, you just... Yeah, right. You just Take like, it for granted. You just go... You know, right. You're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I just got to figure out these legs. designed that way. Yeah. yeah. So... Have you talked to your medical professionals about your progress? Obviously, you you talk to doctors, right? Like, mm -hmm. do you go in uh, every once in a while, like, uh, for checkups, whatever? Are, are they still helping you? Is your insurance company not paying for any of that? Like, oh yeah, insurance. Yeah, insurance will not cover anything with stem cells, to my knowledge, especially yeah. not but spinal your, cord. Any, any sort of like, oh well, like normal stuff, yeah, attributable like, to the injury specifically. Oh like yeah, I mean, therapy, they, oh yeah, okay. yeah. So actually, check this out. So. From me, like, starting to learn how to use my body in the gym, I'd 
you know, this is probably fast forwarding a year, year and a half. Yeah. But of me just doing that, going to the gym, trying to do any therapy stuff yeah. I could, yeah. I met a physical therapist at the gym. Okay. And so he started training me pro bono. I was like, dude, insurance isn't going to cover it. He's like, I don't give a shit. If you want to work, we could work. Awesome. And we literally just started with a walker and we would try to stand up and, and sit back yeah. down. And from working with that, we started seeing enough progress to start walking around his little therapy center. We had made so much progress. He contacts the best uh, therapy center in Lafayette that I know of, you know, for neurological disease or yeah. injuries. And uh, so they had their top, you know, therapist. She come out and watch me. And they're blown away. They're like, dude, and you're how long? And this was, you know, I'm four or five years into my injury. They're like, and you're seeing these kind of pro this progress? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's five years in. So, um, yeah, so they were able to reinstate with insurance. Like, they did the filing or whatever and got insurance to re-pick up my, my therapy. Check this out. Awesome. Not only do does insurance cover the two times a week with the new therapy place, my buddy Scott that's been training me, the, the other therapist, he still trains me. Yeah. But I said, Scott, well, like, if they're paying for you, like, let's get you paid and we'll give me another day of the week. And he was like, no, we're going to keep doing this, you know, I'd go on his lunch break. And he was like, you're going to go over there twice a week. Now you get three days a week of therapy. So I was like, word. So I just, I drill that as much as I can in, in conglomeration with the workouts and whatnot. So I don't, I don't know what's normal, what's not, you know. So it seems like your results, given where you were, it, it's abnormal results. Very. Okay. Um, so what are the medical professionals uh, saying as to where you're going? You've obviously progressed a lot, and, and, and it's been seemingly like a, a consistent progression, you know. Not, not like a, you did the stem cells and boom, it's, you know. I would almost think that, like, you know, just me thinking from common sense, if you would have had like a drastic change in your circumstance immediately and then it leveled off, that like the progress would, wouldn't uh, be as likely to go higher to from the future. Yeah, You know what I mean? Because it would be attributable to the stem cells and they did their work as much as they can and then that's pretty much it. But it seems like they just kind of kick-started you a little bit and then you've consistently gotten better over a number of years, it seems like. So in my common sense brain, it sounds like, well, you just keep working at it and it's it's going to continue to get better. Have you ever, have you been leveling off uh, at all the whole time? Have you had di different temporary uh, times where, you know, you haven't progressed a lot for a number of like six months or is it just consistently gotten a little bit better every time? Well, okay. So there was one big hiccup we had and it, it was so unfortunate after my second round of stem cells, I came home and found a blister on my, on my butt. I was like, man, why is there a little blister? So I'd had a checkup with my normal doctor, my PCP, I'm like, hey, bro, there's this little blister. Like, I've been putting Band-Aids on. It's not closing up. He's like, dude, this is a pressure sore. So I, I started getting uh, the, the wound treatments and stuff. It went from a little blister to a golf ball-sized hole out of my glute down to the bone. I was fighting with that for probably about a year by the time I noticed it to me getting the like out of the hospital for the surgery. That was about a year. And that... Keep in mind, I'm still going to therapy. I'm still yeah, going to the gym. Yeah, I got a freaking. You're not stopping that. I got a. You, you determined. Oh yeah, I got a freaking hole in my on my my butt cheek, but I'm like I don't care. Uh, so we like therapy was so wonky because like yeah, I'm figuring out the signals, but my body's yeah, jumping around with pain. Yeah. It, it was jumping out of pain response. So once that healed, that was mm, about a about a half a year to a year ago. I think it's whenever I'm like fully healed out the hospital. Um, probably over a year. I'm thinking, but, um, like since, since closing up that, that pressure sore, it's, it has not stopped. Now, granted, not every day is the, uh, a new PR, but, but most days have been, man. And lately, dude, now that I'm starting to understand how powerful my mind is, what, what kind of thoughts do I have to think? How do I, 
step out of my body and really like look at this big picture and try to analyze and move, things are getting a lot, a lot crazier. And so I've talked to some professionals, actually, like some of the, the top professionals that I've been able to come across in my research um, in the stem cell regard. And so after sending all my medical documents or whatnot, the, the surgeons called me back and they're like, they this is not their words identically, but they're like, this is fucking crazy. So they're like, not only did you try, but they're like, we've never seen someone just try for six years. And the fact that you're starting to see things turn back on is pretty crazy. And I'm like, yeah, so that's off of two rounds of stem cells from just uh, them giving me stem cells and going. This next place I plan to go is I go out to Columbia four times over the course of a year. I'd stay a week each time. And while I'm there, I'm getting stem cells, hyperbarics, massages, dry needling, the the whole nine yards towards uh, physical therapy. They're able to guide me a lot more because they that's what they deal with the spinal cord injuries. You're currently doing that. That's that's my next that's my next plan. So it's just a lot more expensive. Where I went in Minnesota is about ten grand a pop. This one's going to be ten grand uh, every time you go over there. Oh, over there, it's it's going to be about fifty fifty three thousand plus flights. So I'm gonna run it up to sixty. But that's for the four treatments. So one payment of sixty grand, and I got four stem cell treatments, like ready to go, um, and with therapy. And they also send you home with uh, therapy protocols and new things that me and my therapist can work with. Because, as you can imagine, in little old Lafayette, Louisiana, we don't come across very many people paralyzed this long and then recovering or even trying to recover. Right. It's so interesting the the effort part. Right. It's a uh... Man, this is, uh, I didn't prepare, like, mentally to think about, um, you know, what's going through your mind as far as, like, really trying to fire those muscles off consistently over a big part. Because you, you mentioned it, it's the, the power of your mind, you know. And it's so funny you say that because that's the most fascinating thing to me, you know. I, I do a lot of things for business and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, what fascinates me is, like, what, what can you do with your mind and how you can change your circumstance, change your life, change your patterns, change your mind. Change your reality. And... and and you, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like you just had an attitude of, I'm going to go down this road and I'm not going to stop, you know? The exercise, the fitness fueled that. And it was a consequence of you changing your mind and deciding to go that route. And you have yet to stop that route, clearly. If anything, it's just accelerated with the positive results that you've gotten. Right. Compound interest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, so it was the decision to to uh, not allow your circumstance that you were in to determine anything that's going to happen after. You, you can't know where this is going. You definitely didn't know when you started at the gym. You know, you didn't know, I guess, uh, because it hadn't happened yet. Right. You didn't know that you were going to get movement back in your legs and you were going to be able to walk with a little bit of assistance and make these progressive steps. Um, but you believed it was possible. Well, that's where I, that's where I learned faith. Honestly, it's it's like I had to, I had to blindly believe in something that was everyone around me was telling me was impossible. This is the most important thing out of this entire podcast. I just want to make that clear to anybody listening. This is the most important thing. It's it's believing in the possibility of that happening. Maybe not even knowing. Right. Did you know, did you, did you, did you brainwash yourself into saying I'm walking again, no matter what? Did you say that 
And if you did say that, did you say that to yourself? Oh, 1,000%. Did you doubt yourself from time to time? 1,000%. That's okay. why I did. So it, yeah, so it wasn't a just unadulterated, I know that I'm going to walk again. It's like, I'm going to take the attitude that I'm going to walk again, uh, and I'm going to back it up with action, and I'm going to doubt it, but I'm going to believe that it's possible and continue to go uh, in that direction. Yes, sir. And and as as I kind of went from brainwashing myself to learning and understanding the faith of it, and now that I've I've seen visual representation of it, it's it's an unwithering certainty that I'm going to walk. I've had people that have never seen me walk, stand, or do anything. They met me way after the injury, and they'll text me, bro, nothing weird, but like I, I had you you're walking in my dream. I've had multiple people from different states text me that they've dreamt about me walking, come and run up to them in their dream. I don't dream about me in my wheelchair when I'm dreaming. So that's why I'm like, I am certain without a doubt. Now, when, where, how, or why, what does it look like? I don't know. But I know that it's there, so I just know I just have to keep keep trucking. Tomorrow could be the day, but you don't know if you don't live till see tomorrow. That's right. Uh, so it, it, we've heard like a lot of your story, you know, and there's plenty more to get there. But I want to stay on this topic, you know. Uh, you know, what is your dream that you want to see happen? Is it just walking? Is that the is that the is that the only thing? Well, the walking is the the visual for outsiders looking in. For me, it's that's what that's why I asked because yeah, obviously you want to. Well, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, the walking is the easiest way to get the message across. But honestly, it's freedom. It's freedom to have the ability to be in control, and I think that's what I'm going for in my life. Like to my, I fantasize about being able to just wake up and hop out of bed and like go, you know, either take a little a walk around my yard, play with the dogs, look around at my property, like to be able to just hop in my car and drive wherever I want to go. I don't have to bring 10 different things and I don't have to think about, well, am I going to fit in the bathroom or am I going to have a bathroom accident today? Or am I going to have to do this? Like I'm, I want to eliminate the uncertainty in my life. And so by doing that, I've made myself a lot more of a, a sound man, I think, because I'm built, I'm having to build myself so stable to, to be able to hold, you know, the, the transition. Like, I have to be able to sustain my, my thoughts and feelings and actions until I'm in that reality. But that's what's built so much character, I feel like, that a lot of people don't see on the screens because it's hard to put a, a, across the screens. And I'm a very humble person because life had to humble me. And so I, I don't go and, and brag and boast about it. But it's like that's been my biggest flex is just pulling myself out of the trenches to just see that there's like there's there's a I still have a lot longer to climb until I'm at the top of the mountain, but I'm able to look at the mountain now, and now it's a lot more clearly. It's a lot and more believe understood. of the existence of the mountain. Yeah. The faith of a mustard seed can move mountains. Many people, and I would say probably 99% of the people that have gone through what you've gone through, I don't know. I throw around percentages. My wife's like, that's not a real percentage, you know? <laughs> yeah, I made it up, but it sounds right, you know? But I would say most people, uh, uh, they give up even looking at the mountain, you know? Or they don't believe the mountain exists, you know? They say the mountain may exist for other people, but because of this circumstance, this mountain doesn't exist for me. You know, and they accept the reality of where they're at. And uh, and you clearly haven't. You said something a second ago. You said um, uh, that you want the freedom to be in control of your life and these things, you know, and I don't, I don't know if anybody's told you this, but I was thinking about it when you said that. And I feel like you 
you're probably further along in that than you think. Maybe you still need these things, you know, these things around you. Um, but you have taken control of your life in a way that many people haven't. You know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people uh, praise you and you're inspirational and all of these kind of things. I don't know if they get into the details of it, but I'm going to tell you my perspective of it before this is over with. But that it starts with that. I think that uh, that you definitely have done that. You know, you, you have taken control and you have not allowed, you know, your circumstance to, to, uh, to ground you into something that you're not, you know. Um, so right off the rip, I see that. It's like a, I feel like a, I've met a lot of dis- people with disabilities and such, and a lot of people let their disabilities define them. And I think my disability redefined me. And, and that's kind of what's been like the biggest blessing out of all this. Do you ever look at the entire situation and say, I'm glad that it happened? Oh, every day. If it, it, People ask me, well, man, if you can go back and, and if you could change it, what, what would you change? I would have gotten to the gym faster. I would have changed my mindset faster. I wouldn't have got off the bike. I wouldn't have, you know, I, at first it's like, man, I would have gone faster and wrecked into the dude and just, you know, died or whatever. But now I'm like, I wouldn't even let off the gas. You know, I would have just been like, all right, get ready. Do you believe that you're in a better place now than you would have if, if not for the accident? Man, I was on a highway to hell. Yeah, do you think you would have ever had the really opportunity to develop your character the way you have? No, it probably would have looked a lot different, and I don't know if it would come to fruition quite the same, but it uh, it definitely took a couple of things that I knew about myself before the wreck. You know, I'm a hard worker, I'm kind of bipolar, and all these other things, and I learned how to use that as leverage, and then that's kind of just been able to compound into some crazy stuff, you know, like the work ethic. And, and I find um, the bipolar kind of really helps as well because it's like I can appreciate the highs so much better. And so I've, I've learned to kind of eliminate the thought of how low the lows can get. For everyone listening, that's uh, he's using his bipolarism, you know, or his tendencies as a very positive thing in his life. And that's that's the theme of what's going on here. You take what you're given, you know, whether you believe in God or not, I certainly do, you know, uh, uh, God gave you this circumstance. God gave you the bipolarism. God gave you the chair. He gave you all of that. Um, but you, uh, uh, it's how you accept those things. It's, it's how you perceive it. Um, and, and just like you've done, not letting it define you and letting it redefine you. That's such a good statement. Uh, that, that hits home for me for sure. Well, it's like everybody prays for the cake, but whenever they get the ingredients, they're, they're clueless. And it's like, it took me, a lot, a lot of fails. You're, like I can't stress how many times I had to fall on my face to figure this out, and I'm still figuring it out. But that's okay. It's like once you embrace that, it's like, fuck, come on, come hit me. That's all you got. You know, that's 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 what I say to life. You know, uh, but I, I say that with caution because I know life can do that. You know, it can hit you real, real hard. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, so so we kind of got your journey down. You know, you talked about your inner animal, um, which is your company, essentially, uh, mostly an online company, if you will, selling merchandise, things like this. Like what else is that company doing? Uh, uh, besides it puts out content, you, uh, put out content on your social media, you have a website, like what else, uh, what is the company doing? What is it selling? You know? So right now we're, we're primarily selling just apparel, uh, just jackets, t-shirts, hoodies. I mean, uh, uh, in accordance with the brand, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the normal stuff. Honestly, I have bigger aspirations in the long long term. I would like to... Well, I, f- I find Inner Animal is kind of becoming a, a resemblance of hope. And people see the resiliency and the hope and the, what that, that could bring. 
And I really want to like redefine and, and farther that message and fine tune it the way, like, cause I, the way I think it and the way I'm able to put it out, I'm just not sure how to do it yet. Um, but I have bigger aspirations. I would like to make this into maybe not this specifically, or I want to create a nonprofit organization in order to help other people with spinal cord injuries, uh, paralysis, quadruple being quadriplegic at whatever disabilities that limit them yeah. in their day-to-day life, I want to be able to give them a fighting chance in a sense where if you think stem cells is your ticket, let's do it. If you think you need more rehab, let's do it. If you need a new wheelchair, let's do it. You need a better walker, let's do it. Yeah. Because I'm tired of seeing people like little old scared 17-year-old broken Sam. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, in, they're in the wind. They're fighting. But they don't have no backup. I've been able to have backup. So I would like to be able to create that pool and say, you know what, look, well, maybe you can't do all the things because you don't know the unknown, but I, this is what I've figured out. Yeah. This this worked for me. It might work for you. It might not. Yeah. But I, and I don't want to sell anyone anything. I want to give them hope and resources because I found that's what's gotten my, my life completely switched, you know, right around. You know, I went from looking at the the bottom to now I feel like I'm at the top even though I'm nowhere close to it. Now I want to at least give that experience to someone and give them the option. I'm not going to force you. If you don't want to recover, hey, cool deal. But if you want to, I want to be able to to have that the resource bank, you know, for them. Was the uh guy's name Ethan? Is that the the other guy um who is also paralyzed? They Nathan. Got you? Nathan. Nathan, not not Ethan. Uh Nathan, it's like a I from what you just said, the message seems like you want to create something where Nathan or someone like Nathan or the resources that Nathan offered you in your hardest times uh, is available to all those people. So when they Google uh, spinal cord injuries, you know, likelihood of recovery, your company or that foundation gets uh, pulled to the top of the results rather than all of the negative stuff. Right, because that's all you're going to find is you're going to say you're going to say, oh, well, yep. We get this many spinal cord injuries a year. This is the very low recovery rate. But dude, I've met I met people four or five years out of their injury still seeing progress. That's like I literally I went to a training facility out in Dallas, Texas a couple weeks ago. I met a quadriplegic that was doing fucking box jumps, bro. I seen this man. He showed me his X-ray. His neck was snapped. And I mean, granted, everyone's you know injury and healing process so much different. But it gave me. It showed me. Oh, I'm not crazy. Because this is what it could look like, and it's going to look different for me, of course, and I'm okay with that. But that that is what really gave me the like the reminder of like, okay, I, then we turn back to inspiration. Look, Nathan inspired me to just, you know, kind of nut up, put in some work, and freaking become the man I'm, I'm meant to be. And I just want to at least give, give others that avenue because a lot of people that reach out to me, especially in the recovery realm or, or rehabilitation realm, they just feel hopeless. And I remember how much... Or how, how that hurt feeling hopeless and what that weighs. And, like, I can't save the world, but I can at least save the weight of someone's world. I feel like then that would be a mission accomplished for me. Uh, that's outstanding, man. It's a really, really amazing story, man. There's there's so much there. I mean, I, I feel like we could sit here and talk, like, all day, you know. I mean, I, there's so much I don't know about, about what's going on that I'm interested in. I'm, I'm trying to think about what, what direction I want to go, but it's uh, – it is inspiring. I'm sure you hear it a lot, you know, but, uh, man, what I want to say is just, yes, it's inspiring. Yes, it obviously makes me reflect on my circumstance and where I'm at or, or the real perspective of what's going on in my life, you know. 
But man, I just, it's just such a great story to offer everyone hope. It's not just people who are going through that, man, because there's so many people out there uh, who feel hopeless for whatever reason, right? Hopelessness feels the same across the board, right? <laughs> whether it's due to an injury, whether it's due to mental illness, uh, loss, you know, loss of a family member, circumstance, losing stuff, losing your business, losing your house, losing your marriage, right? Just uh, hopelessness across the board is a, an extremely sad thing, right? Um, We're living in some real scary times, it is, man. man. It's like you don't you don't know what kind of fighter you are until you get thrown into the ring. Well, I've been thrown in the ring plenty of times to know that I'm not the best, but I guarantee I could have someone's back better than you know the the cowards that would just watch and say, "Well, good luck." Yeah, yeah. I think about that in my life, man. I think uh, like uh, a lot of the time early in my business career, I kind of. Uh, um, I was very entitled, you know. Uh, I graduated college. I uh, went to law school. I, I didn't really have a problem with law school. I had a problem getting my law license afterwards. That's a to totally other story. But uh, but I just felt entitled to all of these things, you know. I felt entitled to uh, making a lot of money. I felt entitled to uh, um, feeling a certain way about my body, all these things, you know. I felt like I should just have those things, you know. And uh, my parents were great parents. They, uh, they, uh, they um uh raised me to be confident um uh but also i live live lived a uh um relatively easy life you know what i'm saying um so uh the business world knocked me down for sure in the beginning you know it'll knock you down oh it's ruthless it's through oh yeah dude it's 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 crazy man um especially if you're entitled Oh, dude, like it'll, it'll teach you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what's good about it. That's what's good about on entrepreneurship. That's what's good about, you know, doing your own thing and trying to stretch your own wings and figure out those things about yourself because um, you don't know until you put, I had to put myself in those situations. If I would have just uh, went and got a job and, and, and did everything that they told me to do, I would have never learned the skills that I did. I would have never had any impetus to actually uh, 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 learn more about myself. I'm naturally a, a, a person that wants to learn more about myself, but um, but until you experience, you you don't know, right? It's it's the experience. Things Certain things can't be learned, you know? You, you, you can't learn everything uh, about life by reading books, by listening to podcasts, by watching content. You have to experience them. Your experience is uh, an, an extreme experience, um, but it's an example of uh, something that can happen to you uh, that changes your circumstance, and it demands something out of you. It demands you to answer a question. You know, you have to answer whether or not you're going to continue on. And if you are going to continue on, you know, what is that going to look like? And you have to become the person that's necessary to uh, to get through that and get on the other side, you know. And uh, and that's, my, you know, my experience is different than yours, different than everybody listening, all of that. But um, but I felt the same thing. That's why it's so fascinating to me, because when I started in business, um, I got my, you know, 
uh, head jammed into the wall. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I had to sit back. And then, then I started, then I was res- resentful for having such a good life. I was like, maybe if I wouldn't have had such a good life, I would have like been able to find that grind within myself to succeed like so many other people that I've seen. I mean, I, you see these stories of, you know, ex-cons that go off into business, you know, and they don't have any resources or any network or anything. And then they, they're very successful, you know. It's like, it's like why wasn't I in jail for 10 years? You know what I mean? It's so, so stupid. It's so ridiculous. Um, but all of those things kind of forced me to answer those questions about myself, much like, like yours. And I I can't help but to parallel and everybody listening is doing that same thing. They're paralleling your story with theirs and it's not going to be comparable unless, unless they're Nathan, you know, or something like that, where they've, they've been through, they, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Which is great for them to hear yours because it's such a positive story because I think the theme, uh, if, if you wanted to ask me, if anybody wanted to know my opinion of it, the theme of it for you is uh you just simply didn't quit you just you just didn't quit that, that's my favorite quote of of all quotes is just never quit you know because you you never know what's coming on the other side of those things you when you were going to the gym and you had uh the planet fitness experience and you were first getting into it you probably couldn't see yourself sitting with me on this podcast you know uh putting out amazing content for people that's inspirational um and changing people's lives it may not be a lot of people watching this but there is going to be some that are going to be touched by your story and uh and you didn't know that at the time but look where it led you you know just because you didn't quit man and that's oh i appreciate you uh i appreciate you know god for giving me the ability and the grace and, and now the more that i learn about his grace i, I kind of starting to learn Think of myself, Grace, and uh, you know, because it's it's definitely been been you know it's it's got its ups and downs for sure, yeah. but it's kind of at the end of the day, it, it, I think it boils down to one thing. It's like, how bad do you want it? If you say you want something, whatever it is in your life, how bad? Because yeah. life is gonna see how bad you want it, yeah. and a lot of people are gonna bend, break, or fold. Yeah, most people, most people <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And but and it's and it's it's such a cliche thing, but like never quit. Tomorrow could be. I'm a, I'm an I'm a delusional optimist because tomorrow, hey, that could be my big break. But you never know if you don't live for tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it is all about that never quit because I I I feel like I failed just like you said you failed. You know, dude. I, I mean, I know you don't know my story, but uh, man, I failed so many times. Man, I've started stuff. I failed. I I felt like crap because of it. Felt like I didn't have the skills necessary. This that just beat myself up then bring myself back up you know learn more have a little success here get kicked back down uh, uh have way too high of expectations for myself then not meet them and then uh and then uh, get back to the drawing board and constantly do it get stressed but stressed about uh, uh money bills uh, perception worrying about what people think about me i mean it's just it's just crazy but i'm not gonna quit no matter what i i i even if I am that person, like, or if I was that person that, uh, like we're talking about, you know, how bad do you want it? Life's going to tell you, uh, whether or not, um, you're worthy of it or whether you're putting the work in necessary to do it. Many times in my past, I wasn't, I wasn't worth, uh, it wasn't worth it to me. I didn't want it enough. Um, and part of me with some of the things I do feel that way too, you know, and I always question whether or not I, 
I do want it enough, you know, or whether I'm putting enough action into certain things. So it's a constant uh, battle. You have to always be uh, uh, looking at those things. And I'm sure you do the same thing. You're constantly looking at, am I doing enough? What am I doing? Am I on the right path? But you just don't stop. Oh, yeah. I failed a million times, but it's okay because I know I'll get up that million at one time, you know. It's uh, because I... Right, and that's and that's where I built a lot of my confidence and stuff. I think it was from going out and failing, because you understand. Okay, well, one, I have the grit to keep going. Two, that didn't work. So, what's the next thing that we could try? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. What do you think was the hardest day that you had in that? Was it that day with uh, Nathan? Yeah, the day when I was the hardest day of my life. I feel like was definitely the one that I was debating on unaliving myself, and I was really contemplating. But I don't think it was that aspect that made it so rough. It was me questioning a God that created me in his image that I wasn't okay with the image. So I went to war against God when I'm already at war with my own body. And I think that that was what threw a lot of weight on me. But as I'm starting to grow in my spiritual knowledge and strength and I'm understanding kind of the bigger picture of just things in general, it's kind of given me a really good perspective. Um, And honestly... Man, it's just, it's always so scary looking at the impossible until you jump right in it. Until yeah. you jump right in it. Yeah. Well, it's still scary, right? Every every day, you know. Um, there's always going to be some some level of fear, but it's what you do with it. It's just like what you said with everything that you do. You know, just when you were, like like when you were talking about your bi- bipolarism, that's what hit me too. Not not super significant in the whole story. You know, it's like a it's a part of the story. It's, it's, it's not the main. It's not the main act, but. It was your response to it that triggered something in me. I was like, okay, that's it. That that's what's that's what's that's the common denominator. Because if you're treating your bipolarism in the same way uh, that you are the chair or not walking or having to deal with all these things, and you're looking at it in a positive light, that's the secret sauce. And I think you just naturally do that because you're just determined not to quit. You're just going to continue on. And uh, no matter what, you can't you can't continue to steps forward in your life uh, and and continue to beat yourself up and be negative about it. Doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. I've tried to like come to work, you know, or try to do this thing and uh, and take the action with the negative. It just doesn't work. Something happens. Something breaks. Either you stop or you change your attitude. Right. So if your if your purpose and your reason for what you're doing is stronger than all that other stuff, then that's what changes that attitude into positivity and allows you to keep taking that action you know but you were doing that and that reminded me it's like okay this dude's doing it in everything it's not just like he wants to walk again it's not just that you know he wants to hold down a great job or be successful with his business or something it's it's you're you're applying the same attitude to everything in your life and uh and that's the key for everybody listening you know it's not just uh you know if you want to be good in business or if you want to be good in your marriage or your relationships or or whatever it is um it's kind of across the board you know you can't just uh pick one and be really positive on one and then uh and be completely negative on the other it doesn't work right it bleeds into each other either the positivity will bleed into the negativity or vice versa and i mean in, in this mission, I feel like I put myself in a really do-or-die mentality, and I can't die, so I just got to keep doing it. <laughs> but anybody who listens to that, that's, that's, a, that's not every part of your story, but it's, it's a good, good chunk of it, right? Uh, it's not going to get better. You don't have to change it. You just have to keep being yourself and being 
just continue. That's it. By you continuing your journey and continuing in the way that you're doing, um, you ratify everything that you just said. All of the mindset, positivity, looking at the mountain, everything that we just talked about, all you have to do is just live it. And people will realize it. People will see that. I see that. And anybody who watches this podcast, if you're not inspired by a story like that, it's not about the chair, man. It's about what you have become because of a circumstance, you know? Like you said um, earlier, like, you got offended when, when someone, you know, oh, you're inspired by me opening a damn door? I get that, you know what I mean? But it's not about the door. It's about the transformation that you uh, achieved within yourself to get to that point. The door is evidence of the transformation. That's actually a really good way to look at it. Like, I never thought of it like that, but that makes a lot of sense. It is. And everybody's inspired because they know that it's a hard circumstance. They know it's a, it, it's a, it's a hard thing to deal with, right? Like, obviously. Um, and they just see you living your life despite it, and they don't think that they can go through that. And they certainly don't think off the rip, unless they're kind of, you know, just neurotic or something, that they're going to stay positive in that environment. So when they see you doing it, they are inspired by that because they see somebody doing something that they believe that they can't, or they believe that it would take a huge transformation to even achieve that, that level of state of mind to be able to continue on that journey like that. So it's just what you're doing is just simply evidence of what's going on inside of you. You see what I'm saying? And, 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 and you don't have to change your story. You don't have to change what you're doing. You don't have to change the way you're doing it. You just have to keep going. You just have to keep going, and you're doing what's awesome about it is, you know, this is not a company, man, it, you know, your, your thing. It's not, man. It's, it's just a brand uh, that represents your transformation in a tough experience. It gives people light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, uh for them to understand that no matter what their circumstance is, um, there is hope and there is a way out and there is a way to change what they're doing. Right. Inner animals of feeling. I want someone to be able to see a product or a logo or whatever and feel the feel the fight they have from within themselves. They just don't know it yet because I didn't know it. Now still, I'm sure I'm, I'm barely even tapping into well, it. Until you got behind the camera, nobody knew about it except for your grandpa and your grandma, right? So we have to continue to do these sorts of things. And, you know, I don't necessarily, I have my own story. My story's not as impactful as yours. You know what I'm saying? You have a duty now to share that because, you know, this has helped me a lot, right? It's going to help the people that watches this. Uh, but now you just got to continue to share it, man, and continue to live the life and continue to believe in yourself, continue to believe in the outcome. And you've got a great, a great life ahead of you. If you just continue doing that, I, I mean, you know, I'm no like a big mentor telling you, but I, I just see that for you. So, yeah. Yeah. And I've, another thing I've come across that maybe someone could benefit from this piece of advice is he who enjoys the journey is always going to travel farther than he who enjoys the destination because that's that's another big thing that I'm learning from this. Like walking, I couldn't give less of a shit about. I mean, I love to walk. It's awesome at therapy. I'm busting butt walking, but like, I still want more. I still want more out of myself, which is good. But it's like, I, I'm just falling in love with the process, and I think that's what's going to take me farther. Or at least I'm going to travel longer. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you can't. Uh, it's very hard to hate the entire process and somehow get where you want to go. Uh, I know that. That's for sure. So to end out the podcast, man, just kind of uh, I want you to look at the camera in a moment. Um, and I want you to uh, imagine that there's another individual who is that 17 year old Sam. OK, that just had that accident and was rolling to their friend's house and were had that drop dead date that you were talking about. And uh, and I want you to think about uh, what you would tell that person, because that's the hardest day they're going through the hardest time. Usually when I have guests on here, um, I have to hypothesize about what what some hard situation is. Right. But we know what yours is and we know what helped you. So I want you to give you the opportunity at least uh, to try to help that person uh, get through that time because that person doesn't think that they have it. They don't think that they have it. So um, so just give them some advice, man, and tell them what you think they need to be thinking about to, uh, to get on the right track, man, to get through what they're going through. And take your time. Well, I would definitely say a couple of things. In regards to disability, I feel like you're not crippled unless you're crippled in your mind. Because your mind is going to control where the rest of your body goes. So the weight of the world that just got dropped onto you didn't kill you. So it's your the ball is in your court to figure out what you want to do with it. And I mean, man, I could I can go on all day about this. Let's see. It's always impossible until someone does it. That's another one I really like because it's a different feeling whenever you you do whenever you're able to overcome these obstacles and you're able to fight through these these battles and you're at war with yourself but you're finally starting to win that's that's the part of the journey that often gets overlooked or maybe actually that's what gets overlooked they they look at it too much they they fixate it um but there's a lot of battles there's a lot of hardships and trenches you're gonna have to dig your way through in order to get to that mountaintop but how bad do you want it how how much are you willing to dig down within yourself and find that strength that you didn't even know was there you didn't know it could even exist but you're going to keep digging because that's where you want to get to you want to get to the feeling of overcoming any obstacle that they they ridded you of hmm i like that's a really good question like what's your why, you know, and, and and that being your why, I feel like could definitely put you on this journey a lot longer than most would be. I mean, I would I would like uh, to have a very popular podcast, you know, but just for anybody listening, I'm going to keep doing this anyway, even if it's even if it's my mom listening or my couple of friends like I don't care, man. I'm I'm learning so much about myself by doing this. Uh it's incredible, man. And like, when would I have had a conversation like this with you in real life? You know, right. I'm doing business. I'm I'm very busy. It's hard to even pin me down on the phone at, at, at this point. Sometimes, you know, I feel like, um, so it, 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 it pulls me into this world. It pulls me into these discussions that I'm passionate about that I have with my, the people that I love, you know? Um, but it's just a, it's just an awesome experience. I love it. It's the inner animal experience. It is, man. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate Dude, it. Dude, thank you so much for having me, man. It's been my, my pleasure for sure. And I'm, I'm really excited to see where, where the growth takes us. Life is one 